You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is a two-part message. Last week, uh, we looked at this thing of making sense out of suffering. And we basically said this, in your life and in my life, we are either coming out of some difficulty, trial, period of suffering. We are either going into a trial or a difficulty or a time of suffering, or either we know somebody else that's there. And how do you make sense out of suffering? And so Paul is writing here in Romans chapter 8, and I want you to stand in honor of God's Word, because this, when, 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 uh, when, when they were polled, when people, believers and Christians were polled, and asked the favorite verse of, or passage of Scripture, it wasn't John 3.16, I would have thought it would have been that, but it was this passage, Romans 8.28. Because in our lives, sooner or later, we're going to need this verse. Paul says here, and we know that in all things, okay? Now, let's circle that word all, okay? Because that means in every difficulty, every trial, every circumstance that you and I find ourselves in. That means if you have right now a problem with your health, in all things. That means if there's a problem in your finances, in all things. That means if there's a problem in your marriage right now, in all things. That means if you're having trouble with one of your children, or maybe a grown child right now is grieving your heart, in all things. That means no matter what situation, circumstance, difficulty you and I find ourselves in, God's Word says this, for we know that in all things... For we know that in all things God works for the good. Wow. You mean that situation that I've got on my mind right now? That's right. You mean that circumstance that I'm in right now that just doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever? You mean to tell me that God is going to take that situation, that circumstance, that difficulty, that trial in my life, and He's going to turn it into something good? Look this way. Yes. It may take Him time. It may not happen as quickly as you and I would like it to happen. But if you will trust God and you will pray and you'll lean on Him, then yes. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much that You love us. And Lord, we love You. Even, dear Lord, as we sang about You, dear Lord, there are times we just erupt and clapping and shouting. Dear Lord, as Deidre did such a beautiful job of dancing before us and the Lord had reminded us of King David who danced before the Lord in worship. And dear Lord, we thank you that, dear Lord, you have, you have victory over every circumstance, over every difficulty in our life. And we give you glory for that. 
And we pray right now, dear Lord, as we look at a subject that affects every life in this room, that you'll help us to understand what you're doing when we're suffering. And Father, we pray, dear Lord, and I ask you, dear Lord, to forgive me, cleanse me. Let me be a vessel that you can use. Dear Lord, and, and dear Lord, may this be an example. Sometimes, dear Lord, we say stupid things. We do things that we just have, have to simply say, listen, I, I can't continue to worship until I make this right. Lord, may we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, sometimes when people are hurting, they'll make this statement. You know, you know, they'll say to me, you know, Brother Jeff, if I could just, if I just could figure out, if I just knew what God was doing, I, I don't know what God's doing right now. Nothing's making sense. And so we, we looked last week at this subject of making sense out of suffering. And we said this, that there are some things that God is doing in your life and in my life when we're suffering. Now, you, I don't know if you remember, write it down real quickly because I want you to maybe put this in the front of your Bible. Suffering is a divine appointment. And we basically said this, you know, most of us, we have our lives mapped out. We know exactly where we're going. I used last week the example of flying to, uh, to Harare, Zimbabwe, going through Johannesburg, South Africa, only to find that the flight, we got, we got pushed up, we had mechanical difficulty, everything went wrong, and instead of going that way, we were going through Amsterdam, Nairobi, Kenya, Lusaka, Zambia, and then down to Harare, Zimbabwe. And my thought is, God, you know, this is not the, really the way I wanted it to work out. But it was the way that God wanted it to work out. You see, God had an appointment between me and a Muslim on that flight from Memphis to Amsterdam. And so God had to interrupt my planned out life with a level of suffering in order to do something that only God could do. You see, suffering sometimes is a divine appointment. God is doing something in your life and in my life. Secondly, suffering is God's way of drawing us close. And we said this, you know, when things... Now, let's be honest. When things are going well in your life and in my life, don't we drift away from God? True. Now, I'm the pastor and I'm telling you that's true. When things are going well in my life, I don't have no health problems, no financial problems, kids are doing well, everybody's fine, everybody's doing well. Then you know what my thought is, man, things are going so well, you know right now, I just kind of put my Bible reading, put my prayer life, put everything a little bit on hold. Things are going good, God, I don't need you right now. You see, we have a tendency to drift away from God. Like the little boy last week told you the story about his little boat drifting away. Businessman come by and said, hey, son, let me help you get your boat. And he began to throw those rocks on the other side of that boat and the, propel, the waves were pushing that boat back toward the hands of that little boy. God sometimes brings suffering and difficulties in our life because we're drifting away. He throws affliction, the rocks of affliction on the, other sides of our, uh, on the other side of our life in order to bring us back into an intimate, personal, close relationship with Him. And it's sad to say, now hear me, if you and I want to end a measure of suffering in our life, could I suggest something? When things are going well, let's don't drift. I mean, you know, doesn't that make sense? The best way for me to remove a certain level of suffering from my life is, hey, to stay close to God so that He doesn't have to do that. So suffering is God's way of drawing us close. All things work together for good. 
And then we said, thirdly, that suffering has a spiritual backdrop. And we looked at the, at the life of Job where, you know, Satan is standing in line with the rest of the angels. They're reporting before God. And finally, Satan steps up there before the throne of God. And God says, where you been? Satan sticks his hands down his pockets and all just messing around. Roaming to and fro. And God picks a fight with him. He says, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none more righteous, more blameless, more good than Job. You know what Satan said? He said, yeah, he ought to. You bless him, you take care of him, you put a hedge around him, a protection. Everything's going fine in his life. You pay him. You pay him to worship you. But I tell you what, you take that hedge away and he'll curse you. You know what God said? Take your best shot. This was not just the integrity of Job that was being tested here. When Job's wife looked up and said, Why do you hang on to your integrity, Job? Why don't you curse God and die? That wasn't the wife, that wasn't the voice of his wife. That was the voice of the enemy, the devil himself. What is, what, what's happening in suffering? The enemy is trying to get you and I to get angry and frustrated with God. To say, God, you're not fair. This is not right. Job could have said, God, listen, I've served you. I'm blameless. I, I try to live for you. I try to pray. I try to treat my fellow man right. Everything I do, God, I do it the best I can in order of you. And this is the response you give me. This is what you give me. You see, that's the enemy. The enemy takes suffering sometimes and he manipulates it and orchestrates it to the degree that you and I get angry and frustrated at God and we say, God, this is not fair. But then fourth, and this is where we are today, suffering can be opportunities for divine revelation. I want you to take your Bibles and take a left from Romans And I want you to go to a passage over there, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. And we've we've looked at this many times, but Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. And I love this, I love this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it said, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, he said, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Now look at verse 37. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. Now, boy, don't you love this? What's Jesus doing here? He's sleeping. He's sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? Look at verse 39. He got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The sea was like glass. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now look at verse 41. They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? 
that even the wind and the waves obey Him. You see, sometimes we have to understand that suffering can be a divine opportunity for a divine revelation. The disciples are in the middle of a storm. Now, this is not a storm of their own choosing. In verse 35, Jesus said, look, let's go to the other side. Some of us are suffering because we're in a storm of our own choosing. This is a great time. To, when you and I are suffering, it's a great time to do spiritual inventory. But these disciples had done exactly what Christ had told them to do, and now they were in, a middle, in the middle of a storm. Sometimes suffering comes because we're doing exactly what God tells us to do. I don't think Peter got up that morning and said, you know what would be fun? I don't think he looked at Matthew and Andrew and Thomas and some of those other disciples and said, you know what would be good today? Wouldn't it be fun to be in a good storm? But watch the progression here. Look at verse 37 and 38. A furious squall came up. Waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It nearly sunk. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? You see, that's sometimes in suffering. We think our prayer life, we're sending some kind of alert up to God. God, help! As if God is not aware of what we're going through. So here the disciples said, Lord, don't you care that, teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? Now look at verse 41. They were terrified. They asked each other, who, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You remember that song, If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. Solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. You see, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. Because I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Sometimes, listen, now stay with me here. Sometimes God puts us in impossible situations, situations that we cannot maneuver or manipulate out of so that we can see God. Wow! Sometimes people get a bad report in their health. Something is wrong and a doctor says, Listen, we've done all we can do. Oh! Do you know why? Because that person's put all of their faith in the medical community. That's where their trust, that's what they're leaning on. And when that collapses, they don't have nothing to lean against. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. What does trust and lean mean? It means to lean. It means trust and lean mean the same thing. If you're leaning and trusting in the medical community for your life, then when that community says, we've done all we can do, that's what you do. You just collapse. When a doctor looks at you and says, hey, we've done all we can do, has it ever occurred to you to say, God hasn't? My grandmother had acute leukemia. She called us and said, 
The doctor, no, it wasn't she that called. It was, one, it was my dad's brother that called. We were planning on moving from Titusville, Florida, back to Yazoo City, and we had bought a place up in the hills out of Ye- in Yazoo County. My, my uncle called my dad and said, y'all need to hurry up and come on back. Mama's got a bad report. She's got acute leukemia, and they give her six months. Do you know what my grandmother said when the doctor looked at her and said, Miss Parker, I'm sorry, but you've got, you've got acute leukemia I, I, uh, at best maybe six months. You know what my grandmother said? I'll die or I'll go when God gets ready for me. That's what she said. Years later, <laughs> years later, she calls me and says, doll baby? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, pray for Dr. John. I don't think he's going to be with us much longer. (laughs) She outlived the doctor. You see, sometimes God puts you and I into situations that we cannot cannot manipulate out of, we can't maneuver out of, we can't buy our way way out of, we can't reason out of. He puts us in a situation that all we can do is look to God and say, you know, God, if you don't intervene, I'm not going to make it. There are revelations of God's power and God's ability that only come through suffering. There is a depth of spiritual maturity that can only come when you and I are in the trenches. Johnny, Johnny Tata Erickson, Johnny Erickson begged, listen to this, she begged as a quadriplegic after that accident years ago when she dove in and it broke her neck she was laying there on a, on a bed that would flip and move and do this. She was laying there upside down on this bed when her best friend came in. Do you know what Johnny did? She begged. She pleaded. She told her friend, she said, If you love me, if you love me, if you care about me, then kill me. Kill me. Don't let me live. Help me die. Thank God that that friend did not help her die. A woman who takes takes a paintbrush and puts it in her mouth and unfolds a canvas that looks like a photograph. Who is one of the most, most prolific writers and teachers and authors that the world has ever known whose spirit, even when she speaks on the radio, just permeates the airwaves. Thank God, thank God that she's a quadriplegic. Wow. A Corey ten Boom who suffered immensely in the concentration camps of, of Hitler and his regime who looked at Adrian Rogers and smiled and said, Dr. Rogers, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. The depth and the spiritual maturity of that woman came through suffering. Sometimes for you and I, revelations 
of God's power and God's ability can only come when we are suffering, when we're going through a difficulty, when we look and we've exhausted every means and we look and we finally say, only God, it's only you. Why do you think God parted the Red Sea? Because that was all Moses could hope for. Moses didn't take his cell phone and say, look, we're going to call in some artillery here. One day, the United States is going to be in a position that it can't bully or power itself out of. So that we have no choice but to depend on God. You see, that's suffering. Number five, suffering brings intimacy with God. I was in First Baptist Church, Yazoo City, preaching. It's been a long time ago. And, and after, after the service, they had remodeled the foyer of the church. And so the men, some of the deacons, were showing me around, and they were really proud of this foyer and all the work that they had done renovating that foyer. And, they, and, and, and there was an art piece. There was a piece of art up there, and there was Philippians 3.10, and it said this, that I may know the power of His resurrection. And they went on to tell me a little bit about that. And I said, well, that's sad. And those men looked at me and said, sad? I said, yes, sir, it's sad because you didn't finish the verse. Take, your, take, take a right from Mark and go over to Philippians. Take a right and go over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want you, I want you to see this. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Watch this. Because suffering brings intimacy with God. In, Romans, in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, this is what Paul said, Philippians 3, 10. He said, now watch this, here's the key. Boy, I, I love this. Paul says, I want to what? Is it up there? What does he say? I want to what? Okay, let, 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 I, want, I want to... Know Christ. Okay, let me ask you something. How many of you in this room really want to know Christ intimately and personally? Raise your hand. You really want to know Him. Okay, now I want you to stay with me here because that's a lot of people and I agree with you. Watch this. He says in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Now we don't have no problem with that, do we? Now watch the next part of this. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Wow. You see, stay with me here. The problem is in, in, in our lives is we want the first without the second. We want, we want power, but we want it without suffering. Now, now, now listen to me closely. Some... People in the body of believers do have power without suffering. But they're like a child who is immature, who's been given something they can't handle. A.W. Tolzer said this. He said, I doubt God will use a man or a woman greatly, listen, until he breaks them deeply. I had a pastor friend of mine who I did this meeting for a couple of weeks ago on the panhandle of Texas. He texted me last night. I said, have you gone to see Secretariat? I said, wow, what a powerful movie. He's a horse lover. 
This guy loves horses. He's just a cowboy. I mean, he, he loves horses. And uh, I said, Steve, have you seen Secretary? And he said, oh, yeah. And he said, I've got somebody right now that's going to give me a, a three-year-old filly. She's unbroken, but she's out of a champion line. She's a quarter horse. He said, I don't know if I've got it in me to break another one. I said, man, go for it. Okay. Now, he's got to, he's got to, he said, this horse has never had a saddle. His horse has never had a bridle. So he's got to do all of that in order to break that horse so that he can use that horse. You see, sometimes that's you and I. There's some people in the body of believers, they're out there, they're like a big old stallion, boy, just raising a pole in the air, you know. Boy, aren't they glorious. Look at all their talents and abilities. There's only one problem. They are unbroken. They're not humble. They're not gentle. They're brash. They're loud. Whoa, you know. They're preachers like that. Look at me. I'm in a big church. And you know, I something. They have, they have power, but they don't have... It's not been balanced. It's not been groomed with the suffering that comes. You see, there's a difference there. Let me show you this. Look at, look at, take a left from Philippians and go to 2 Corinthians. I want you to see this, and we'll close in a minute. But look at 2 Corinthians 12. Watch what Paul says here. In 2 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. Okay, now we're saying this, that suffering brings a level of intimacy between us and God. Look at verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited. Now, you know how you become conceited? is when you have power and you're not broken. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these, uns, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a what? A thorn in my flesh. A messenger. Look at this. Where does the messenger come from? A messenger of Satan to do what? To make my life easy. They told me on the, on the TV this week that when I became a Christian that everything ought to be just great. That I ought to be healthy, I ought to be wealthy, there should be no suffering in my life. I ought to be driving a BMW, living in a half million dollar home. Man, I ought to have it made. And if I don't, I don't have enough faith. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. That is a lie hatched out of hell. Because the Apostle Paul said here, he said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. I don't know no greater Christian than the Apostle Paul. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to do what? To torment me. Three times, Paul said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now watch this, this is critical. For my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Power is perfected in what? In weakness. 
Now, take a left and look at 1 Corinthians 1.27. Stay with me here. Because this, this is critical. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, watch what Paul said here in this first letter to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's why I had to get up here a moment ago and apologize. God chose the what kind of things? The weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Now watch verse 29. So that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. You see... God chooses weak, broken people. And how do you and I become weak? Sometimes it's because of the suffering. It's because of the difficulties. The word fellowship there, kononia, and we've got a Greek scholar, I ought to turn this over to Reggie right now, means intimate communication. Now let me ask you something, and we'll, we'll pray in a moment. Think with me for a minute. Every parent here, every parent, when are you closest to your child? As a parent, when are you the closest to your child? When is it? Do what? I can't hear you. Somebody, one person. When they're hurting. That's right. Would, every parent, would we not agree? The closest we are to our child is when they're sick, when they're hurting. Now, let, let me tell you why. Number one, because that's when our child does usually when they do what? When they come to us, when they crawl up in our arms, when they begin to pour out their hearts, when they're a child and they're sick, if they're a baby, we're up all night holding them and rocking them. And every parent knows what I'm talking about. Who, you know, a colicky baby. When they're a toddler and they hurt themselves and they, they fall down, where do they run? They scream and holler and say, Mama or Daddy, and they come running to you. When they're a teenager and their world is crushing all around them and they become despondent and they pull into their room, they are begging Mom and Dad to come into the room and say, What's wrong? I am 54 years old. I eat once a week with my 81 year. My dad will be 81 this Wednesday. And my dad at 81 years old can tell when something's bothering me and he'll look at me and say, son, what's wrong? You see, our enemy comes to destroy or frustrate our relationship with God. He doesn't understand that to the believer, to the child of God when we're suffering, that's usually when we run, we climb up into the lap of God, and we say, God, I need help. And He reveals Himself in a way that we have never experienced before. And you may say, well, that doesn't mean nothing to me right now. It will one day. Oh, bad, bad, hey, bad news is coming. Okay, let me, if, I'm going to be prophetic here. Bad news is coming. Okay, everybody here, 
Bad, bad news is coming. It's going, to be a, it's, going to be a bad, it's going to be a bad grade. And of course, it's going to just about blow your entire career. Get ready, it's coming. It's going to be a relationship where you find somebody's been two-timing you. It's coming. It's going to be a friend that you, you put a great confidence in and they're going to break that confidence and it's going to hurt. It's going to be a financial problem and you're not going to be able to figure out how to get out of it. One day it may be a doctor's report or a medical exam, routine nothing, and it's going to be some bad news. And there may come a day when the doctor looks at you or looks at somebody you love and says, we've done all we can do. You know how many times in 30 plus years of ministry I've stood there with a family and somebody walk out of surgery and say, I'm I'm sorry. We've done all we can do. Oh, young? Oh, I got plenty of time. Jeffrey, Jeffrey did a funeral service at Pine Lake for a 10-year-old boy. I'm going to live a long life. You might. You might not. Suffering's coming. Because in this world, you and I have tribulation. But I love this, and we'll pray. Go ahead and stand. But I love this. When Jesus said those words, in the world you'll have tribulation. I think his disciples look kind of sad. You know what I think Jesus did? I think what Jesus said, he said, pulled the disciples up and he said, men, he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. It's going to be tough. But then I believe Jesus broke out in a big old smile. I believe he smiled real big. He just grinned from ear to ear and he said, but men, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I don't know how I could get through what those parents who buried that 10-year-old, I don't know how they did that. Let me tell you how they did that. Jeffrey said, Dad, I had the last song. He said, uh, as I was singing the last song, they they asked asked him to sing this song. He said in the background was PowerPoint, and it was pictures of the little boy being born, toddler, elementary age, those pictures of that little boy growing up. He said, Dad, he said, the hardest thing in the world was singing that song and looking at those parents, just weeping and crying and looking at those pictures. That could be any of us. And you're thinking, I don't think that I could give up a child and live. I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how I could do that. Let me give you words to remember. My grace is sufficient. That's what God said. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you love us and that you care about us. Lord, I know, dear Lord, I know that that even, dear Lord, on the website, I, 
I've had people sometimes say to me, I, I listen to that message and there could be somebody listening, listening to this message right now that's not in this service that's hurting and struggling. And dear Lord, they need a word from you. And Lord, may you help them to understand that even in suffering, even in difficulties, even in the trials and the pains that come in our life, that dear Lord, you're drawing us close. You're pulling us up into your lap. And you're whispering in our ear, I love you. And this will work for good. Just trust me. Trust me. So Lord, we, we believe that. And we ask you right now, dear Lord, for anyone in this room that may be hurting, that may be suffering, that may be, dear Lord, just wrestling with a battle or a struggle that nobody else knows about. May you whisper in their ears right now, I love you. Trust me. Trust me. I'm working for your good. Trust me. And Father, I pray, dear Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that, dear Lord, this day, right now, this moment, that they would simply come forward publicly and willingly and say, you know, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to serve Him. For others in this room, they may need to rededicate, recommit. They may need to be a part of this church and they've been floundering in, in membership. Whatever it may be, God, would you lead them? And Lord, we know that you won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. So Lord, let this speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come today. If you need to pray for somebody else, you feel that freedom. Whatever God may be saying to you, you slip out. You need one of our counselors to pray with you. They're here in the front. You come. You come.
I can go through anything if I know Jesus Christ is by my side. Anyone else? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray, dear Lord, for those that may be here. Things are going well in their life right now. There's no heartache, there's no struggles, there's no suffering. Life's good to them right now. Maybe a young person here right now, but things are going well. Classes are going well. Uh, got got plenty to eat. Got a car to get around in. And, but dear Lord, there may be another student is just at the verge, dear Lord, of ending their life. There may be somebody we work with that, dear Lord, we may things may be going well for us, but they may be at the end of their road. God, would you? burn within us the truths of this message and of your word most of all that God we can give people hope and remind them of Christ and Lord we love you and we give you glory in the name of Jesus